0: Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne on Global Voice Radio. Join Roxanne Durhodge and her thought-provoking conversations, the catalyst to live your life to the fullest. Hi everyone, it's Roxanne Durhage again. Um, Welcome again to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Um, What I have today is a very very special young man I think in my opinion Um, and at 22 he's kind of um, moving and shaking in the world in a a way that I um, was very curious when I met him and uh, have gotten to know him a bit better and hope to get to know him a lot better. His name is Andy O'Date. So Andy, thanks so much for joining us all the way from California. So I I wonder what your weather is like there to t- tonight.
1: Man, it's pretty warm here. I hear in Canada it's actually snowing. Is that true? Y-
0: yeah, uh it's was minus like eight. And today we're like plus five and we feel like we're like we're like walking around in, in shorts and it's not so nice. <laughs> oh man.
1: See, I see last week I was in Rhode Island. See, Rhode Island's my hometown. And I landed on one. I think I landed on Wednesday, and then on Thursday morning it started to snow. I said, "Man, I got to go back to the West Coast, man. This ain't, for me. <laughs> this ain't for me."
0: Okay, I'm gonna come and visit you.
1: You got you to come over here on the West Coast. You That's it.
0: That's yeah. it. So I want to tell the the viewers a bit about the listeners a bit about you, uh, Andy. At, the, at uh, the young age of 22, is a published author. He's a millennial motivational speaker and a serial entrepreneur. He's work, recognized as an eminent speaker with a delivery of high energy and human sh- potential. Raised in an impoverished environment, dropping out of college uh, with a bit little or uh, a bit of formal, but dropping out of education, he took a path of entrepreneurship, a course of self-education that landed him the successes that he has today uh his This path has not allowed him to change his circumstances, but have allowed him to effectively communicate the desires to be great to others and like I said earlier, he lives in uh Cali, which we're all jealous about so yeah. Andy welcome, 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 and thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy and you're you know on planes trains and automobiles, I know you're heading to Vegas tomorrow so i um like I said. Wanted to have millennials get a bad name, right? You know, when you kind of go out there in the world and everybody's trying to talk about millennials and how do you manage them, and so I want you to kind of tell tell us a bit about you and your path and how you can be a voice for millennials that are are trying to uh, find their way in this world today.
1: Look, I believe that first and foremost, millennials get a bad name. It's true. I believe that that does happen but I believe that it's the decision that the millennial takes. We all have decisions, whether you're an adult, uh, you're, you're 18 years old, you're, you know, you're 15, we all have decisions to make. And whether you're a millennial or a Gen X or a Gen Y, it doesn't matter. It's about the decisions. The knowledge is there, the opportunity is there. It is for you to take it. And I discovered at a young age that I have to take it. I have to take what's mine and what's literally available for me. See, my parents came from Haiti. They came, they were born in Haiti. And I realized that they like what's successful to them was being in the middle class, being here. And they made that, they made it a reality. Like I didn't grow up, I grew up in an impoverished area, but I didn't grow up in the gutter. I didn't grow up homeless, thank God. And I felt like I had a, 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 an innate desire to level up for my family, to level up for my name, so I can take care of my parents. And that's what I do now. You know, that's what I focus on now is to help other people. And that's my business, helping other people. So therefore I can help my own family.
0: So tell me, when did that start to happen? You're 22. So when did you kind of start and say, there's something bigger in me here. And I have this burning desire to make a difference in the world um, and make things different, not just for my, obviously for myself, but what I hear is that your belief is that in making it better for the people around you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you like it started yesterday, but you no, know, it started at a young age. I was 10 years old, and I asked my dad for uh, Nike Air Forces. Nike Air Forces to me was like the coolest thing. So I asked my dad for Nike Air Forces, and he couldn't get it for me, he did, and he didn't get it for me. And I realized that I had to go get it myself. But I was grateful because I had a home to live in. I had a shelter and so on and so forth. So I set out to start my own business to be able to make that money. And when I was out there, I started realizing that I'm not doing the same thing that other people are doing. I'm 11 years old and I'm pretty much, you know, I'm pretty much running my own landscaping business because I would go door to north, door to door during the the, the winter time and I would shovel their snow at 11, uh, 12, 13 years old.
0: So that that idea just kind of came about or you thought, well, I want to be able to make my own money. I want to be able to build something. Do you remember how you were thinking back then?
1: I mean, consider consider it like this, right? Uh, A 10, 11-year-old young boy goes to his parents and he says, can you get me this? My friends have this, this Xbox. My friend has this program, these games. Can you get it to me? All happy and excited. The parents say... Yes. And they never get it. Or even worst case scenario, sometimes the parents say no, and they, they don't get it for him. Then he comes back. Can you get me these clothes? I want these clothes. And the parents say no. Then he comes back, you know, he leaves sad, but he comes back another day and he says, can you get me a computer, dad? Please, my friend got a computer. I want a computer. And the parents say no. And then the kid realizes through conversations that the parents don't have the money. They, they're they at a level where you know they're just getting by because the parents really don't have the money. So I knew that I had to go get the money myself. And who oh. has my money? My neighbor has my money. Oh. My, you know, my, I gotta do something good for my neighbor for him to give me money. Right. So I, across the street is, the guy must've been like 60, 80 or 70 years old. And um, to me, any anything above 18 was old. <laughs> at the time. Whoa. <laughs> I, I, like, like, I remember saying to, the, to myself, oh, that guy's like 20. He's old. So,
0: I won't take that personally, Andy. I'm just listening no,
1: I'm twenty. I'm 22, so therefore, at myself, I was old.
0: <laughs>
1: so, so then I, I look across the street. I'm like, well, this guy is, you know, he's pretty old. If I shovel the snow and he doesn't have to, maybe he'll give me a few bucks. I go across and I ask him. I say, hey, John, his name is John. I said, hey, John, can I um, shovel your yard for you and I'll charge you $10? And he's like, no, thank you. And I'm like, okay, maybe he's just not my customer. So let me go to the next door. I go to the next door and they said yes. And they pay me 10 bucks. And I'm like, whoa, I, I, got, I got the money in my hand. You know, I'm looking at the money. I'm like, I got the money in my hand. Okay, okay. There must be more out there for me. Wow. The sneakers cost 200 bucks. There must be more out there for me. Mm-hmm. So I keep on going door to door, door to door, door to door. door, to door to get that money, and I, and in the interim, I'm helping other people. I'm helping people who don't wanna be out in the snow, getting frostbite, and, and you know, I was out there late at night. I'm telling you, I was 11 years old, Roxanne, when I did that.
0: Wow. wow. So
1: I realized at a young age that there was more for me, and it was those type of situations that kind of propelled the mindset of, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more.
0: So you started a cell phone business um, when I read your bio um, not to how old were you when you started the cell phone business and I, I know at the prior to starting um, speaking and uh, working a lot with a lot of uh, speakers that you had a, a quite a lot of staff working for for you so tell yeah, tell I, us a bit about that
1: i I, I go on the story very deeply in my book. No, no More Average where your audience can get the book at nomoreaveragebook.com. I go okay. very quickly in the book. And I, what happened really was because, because of these experiences of giving a product or giving a service that actually helps someone else, that people give me money for, I learned that I can actually become my own boss. So when I entered the workforce at age 16, I started working at Wendy's, right? And even while I was working at Wendy's, I still had the side hustle of making my own money based on uh, my own thoughts and my own ideas. Mm-hmm. So I was working at Wendy's, getting paid $200 a week, and I was selling cell phones on the side. Selling, I'll have a psychic at the time or whatever the phone is, Android, and I would use it, then I would sell it, get a new phone, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Then I started selling sneakers. I, got, I realized there was a need, a need or a want for sneakers in my school. This is around when I was in high school. And people were paying ridiculous amounts of money, Roxanne. Ridiculous amounts of money. So when I tell you that a sneaker that costs $160, somebody would pay $300 for, I said, wait, I might have myself a business here. <laughs> and I used that money to propel my other business, my other businesses. Mm -hmm. So here's an example. I work for four weeks at uh, Wendy's. I make $800. A sneaker is set to release in in, in four weeks. So I use that $800 and I go out and I buy sneakers, $800 worth of sneakers. And then I flip each sneaker for an extra $100 in profit. Mm -hmm. That's how my business really started working. And, but I, I knew there you know, there's levels to business. You could be making a couple hundred dollars and that's a business. You could be making a couple millions. That's a business. Right. So I, I wanted to expand. And I knew that if I go into commission sales, I might be able to make more money in a shorter amount of time. Right. Because, so I go into commission sales, working at Metro PCS, get a job at Metro PCS, start working at Metro PCS. I get a mentor that his, he owned a company. He owned 10 businesses of Metro PCS. <laughs> and I was working in the front of the store that his office was behind me. And I would notice and pick up little things as to how he's operating his business. I would listen to him training employees. I would listen to him firing employees. And he would tell me, you know, this is, he, this is how you hire a person. This is how you you know, fire a person. And then I remember walking in the back like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing payroll. What is payroll? You know, what, what is that? I'm 18, this is me being 18. What is payroll? And he'll tell me, payroll is when you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. And I was saying, okay, awesome. So I started learning more about business. Mm. After a year of learning that information from my mentor, of a coworker of mine who was a friend as well, he said, I believe in you, Andy. I think you should open up your own cell phone store. You just have so much knowledge. After overcoming some fear and battling that fear and winning over that fear, I opened up my first store at 19. That first store became, uh, that first store generated about $100,000 in six months. And I said, I got something in my hands right now. Mm. I grew the business to four businesses, to four locations with uh, 14 employees and, and 30 people at, at its peak. So 14 people on, on average. And I was 20 years old running that, running that business. So, yes, that is my background in the cell phone business.
0: So you said something kind of important, and I think I'm curious, so I'm I'm going to assume that the listeners are also curious. You said you felt the fear, and what did you do with the fear? Because you know what? Whether you're 22 or 50 or 60, as an entrepreneur, there's always that kind of place in the back of your mind going, oh, I don't know know who thinks they can do it. I'm not so sure. That fear crops up with all of us when we're going to do something big. So how would you how you kind of get past that?
1: Look, I realized this at a young at a young age, really, that we're all gonna die. You know, I realized, and that's yeah. how I overcome a lot of fear is that we're we're gonna die. You know, I'm very fearful. I'm a very fearful human being, as many other people are, because it's innately how my body wants to survive. It says that you might go broke if you you know join this venture or you know you, whatever whatever you know my brain thinks but i realized that at one point i was born but i also at one point i'm dying and no one's going to get out alive so i'm going to die and when i get scared i just think about that point that i'm going to die regardless if i do it or not i'm going to die and i just i just do it whether it be a large investment in myself that's probably the most fearful things i've ever had where i had to invest into myself
0: so give us give us an example of something that you did and you thought oh wow how much I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna take this step, and you did it anyway. Give give tell tell the viewer, tell the listeners what you did, like, like an example when of was, that.
1: When I was when I was 19 years old and I saved up seven thousand dollars, right? I saved up that seven grand to move out of my parents' home. I wanted to leave. So I had the money, and then when my friend suggested that I open up that business, boom, it was like a rush of fear smacking me in the face. Why would you do that? You know, you don't know, like, you like, you never ran a business before. You never got out there. Why would you do that? And it starts rushing into my head and I start thinking of reasons why it won't work.
0: Okay. Okay. Which I, which I think is kind of normal, right? For most people, when they're, when they're stepping into something big, all of a sudden the ego kind of steps in and says, oh my God, you can't do this. Yeah. And when you take that step into it, things shift. One hundred,
1: one hundred percent but I'm happy I made that investment because I wouldn't be here because my mindset wouldn't have expanded to what I'm what I'm working on right now and what I believe that I can go towards because if I didn't start there I would still be trying to flip you know cell phones for 100 bucks or I would still be working on selling sneakers or things on the side you know what I'm saying
0: right but you had to you started somewhere and you expanded your mindset to believe that the next step is bigger and that's where I need to be. And even though I'm feeling the fears from what you're saying, however you motivate yourself, whether it's by I'm afraid or, um, or I'm fearful of death, you did something that shifted that ability to go up the next step. And since then you've obviously written the book. So tell us, tell us what kind of, how did that idea come about? Like, did you come up with it on your own? Did you, I know you hang out with some pretty, um, heavy hitters, um, speakers and stuff like that. Tell me where the, the birth of the idea for the book came from.
1: Okay. So, so, but you know, to finish off the conversation about fear, yes, I still feel the fear. I still feel it and I still decide to go after what it is that I'm pursuing regardless of how I feel of that fear, because I know that my dreams lie on the other side. So I go after my dreams, not, not after the sickness, me succumbing to the fear the feeling of fear um now now about about the book about about the book no more average I was smoking weed, I was actually smoking a smoking oh. a blunt oh. and i'm around I'm around a few individuals and they're passing the blunt uh in, in a in a circular in a circular pattern that's how you take your hit you pass it to the to the left you take your hit you pass it to you pass it with your left hand to the right so I passed it and I'm like thinking to myself I'm like yo this this people that I'm around this is as I'm a business owner I'm I'm a 19 year old business owner I have employees I have payroll and I'm saying to myself I'm not supposed to be here like I I'm looking at these individuals I'm like they you know they 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 may have some love for me they can care for me but I'm not supposed to be here
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'm thinking to myself look I'm average this, I'm just like them. And you know, I'm doing the same thing that they're doing. It's cool I got my own business. It's cool I got my own car. And I'm paying people. I got my own money. But I'm average. And scenarios like that played throughout my life a lot where I realized that innately I'm supposed to be living a different life. But outside, externally, I'm doing what everyone else is doing, which is average. Average is defined as mimicking the efforts and ideas of other people. So the people that are around me had an influence on me to do what they were doing. Smoking weed, chilling, relaxing all day when I knew that I was supposed to be doing something greater with my life. And that's what the book is really based on. Doing what you know that you want to do, not what people have you doing around them. And it all starts with the different types of influences that you have in your life.
0: So I'm assuming you, you made that change. Um, with the people that you hang around I mean we were just in New York and I kind of saw the people that you hung with and um, they're they're people not just men but also women that are doing big things in the world
1: yeah 100% um, I don't hang around with the same type of individuals that I hang around that I hung around with many years ago I've I've expanded my network so much that I I really don't have the time to even fathom those thoughts to hang around with those type of individuals anymore Um, and my caliber of friends have changed as well.
0: Absolutely. So tell us what, tell us, you know, for the, and I know I'm picking on millennials and it doesn't, but I think you really have a voice to speak to young people because what we know is happening today, unfortunately, that a lot of younger people are having issues with anxiety depression they're 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 concerned about their future you know they're thinking how am i going to make it in the world you know so many jobs are not you know getting lost right so you hear a lot of negativity and that they're entitled right you hear that a lot they're entitled the world owes them a living so if you were to be speaking to millennials directly right now and you could give them a message what would you tell them
1: look I don't have the answer for the fight on millennials, all right? I don't have that, 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 the end-all, be-all, this is the answer. Donald Trump, give me a call, I'll tell you. Like, I, don't have, I don't have that, that answer. Um, but I do have opinions. And as a millennial, I think we have a choice. And we, we are knowledgeable. See, the, the, we are knowledgeable human beings that has a choice to make. You know exactly what it is that you want to do with your life. Now, this is why I believe that millennials are so so much directionless. They 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 think they don't have direction is because they're living in that average sphere of being told what to do and going after that, right? Mm -hmm. So here's an example of what millennials actually go through—a real-world example. You're 18 years old. You just graduated college, uh, high school. You know, in the back of your brain that you want to go and you want to do dance. You want to be a dancer. This young girl wants to be a dancer. Her mom says, no, you're going to school to be a doctor. Doctors are where the people make money. Now, this girl wants to make her mom happy. So she says, okay, I'll go to school. I'll I'll go to school. I'll listen to what you say. You never see me wrong. I'll go to school and do that. Now, here's why they don't succeed in both. It's because they're half-hearted. They go to school to become the doctor, but in the back of their brain, I should be doing this. I should be dancing. I don't know why I'm here. And they're, therefore, they're not actually going after the doctorate the way that they should be. And they're not going after the, the dancing the way that should be. So now they, became, they become stuck. Right. Like they live their life stuck for so long that now they're depending on other people for information. Mom, what do I do now? Like, you told me to be a doctor. There's no doctor jobs. Like, what do I do now, Mom? You know, you got to give me something because you're telling me to go get money. I can't get money because there's no, there's no work for me. But I wanted to be a dancer, and I would have been great at it, but I didn't do that because I listened to you. So you give it to me. What do I do now? And it's given to them. Mm-hmm. These things are given to them. When you look at a um, you know, homeless person nowadays, even homeless people get help. So it's like everyone is entitled to something now. It's like this feeling of I'm entitled to something. When you're homeless and you're living out on Skid Row, people give you food. So it's like, I want the food that you're supposed to give me. You know, I want, the, I want the food that you're supposed to give me. So what I'm trying to say is that if you go after what it is that you truly want, you'll realize the hard work that it actually takes to get there. You'll realize that you're not entitled to anything. But if you are going, with other, if you are going the route that other people tell you to go to, and when you start hitting those roadblocks, you look at other people to tell you what to do next or to just give it to you
0: really and what what you you're talking about is really what this show is based on which is to live authentically right which is to listen to what is deep down inside like the dancer right yeah. to to really live that value because you know if we live outside of ourselves and we hit those bumps guess what happens we we fall down we smack our face and then we get up and we think oh my life sucks but if we fall down when we've got a vision And we're listening to the fact that I want to, you know, I want to play the piano. I want to be a lawyer or I want to own my own business. And you fall down. You still have that deep down inside desire to make a difference with what you do. So you're talking about listening and that listening becomes focus. Is that correct?
1: Listening to yourself. (laughs)
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Listening listening 100% to, to yourself.
0: So, so tell us a little bit about your speaking because um, I, I had the privilege of uh, you know coming out to see you in New York um, with uh, Les Brown and um, Omar Perry. Some really you know big guys, you know, and um, what lovely people, by the way, and had an amazing experience. So tell tell you know I kind of know the story, but I, I'd like the 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 listeners to to know kind of how you kind of here's this new circle. And you're, you're the person connecting with me that gets me on stage with Les Brown, uh, you know, and I'm like, this guy's 22 and he's getting me on stage with Les Brown. Wow. I got, I got to get to know this young man. So tell, tell the listeners a little bit about how you kind of got around uh, these individuals and some of the the circles that you're continuing to get um, introduced to.
1: Uh, similar to, similar to what's going on. I hear like an echo. Is that, what do like?
0: I don't know. I don't hear it on my end. I'm okay.
1: Okay. Okay, I think, I think we're good. We're
0: good.
1: <laughs> okay, oh, we're, we're good. good. We're good. We're good. So, like, similar to when I was scared to make that investment of that $7,000 in the in my business when I first started, right, in the cell phone business, and I had that fear, I had to make an investment in myself to to kind of, like, join the, the Les Brown Institute and join the inner circle, of of Les Brown, and I because I, I noticed that there's a lot of people that talk, but there's not a lot of people that show up. And as as I get more and more into this business, like you're someone who you showed up, you invested into yourself to 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 start speaking and start developing your brand as well as I did with myself. And there were perks that you got for for doing that, and as well as myself. So when I invested into myself uh, earlier the earlier last year to start working with Les Brown, I, I had to overcome a lot of fear and a lot of doubt. I think what blocks me is, um, what blocked my progress was my doubt and my abilities. Um, being 21, uh, being black, and, and, the, and all these things that, I, that came to my mind, like all these reasons that came to my mind. So I had to overcome the fear and overcome the doubt and actually invest myself on a continual basis in order to grow my, to grow my business. So when I grew, when I invested myself, it didn't stop there. I started work, I started getting in the inner circle. Uh, not necessarily. I started getting in, like, around the type of people who were, you know, Les Brown and Les Brown's children and, and uh, the, the executives in this company. I started getting around them. That wasn't part of it just yet. It took a lot of time and it took a lot of work and it took a lot more investment. But eventually when I kept on working my way in. I was around so much that I became part of the circle, right? I kept on continually investing to the point that I, I became part of the circle. And it came to a point where it's like without Andy, something's missing. You know, like, like, like some, something's missing. So, so therefore, I, changed, I became part of the team that way. I, I just continued to show up. You know, nothing's gonna happen to, like, I think about it, I thought about it the other day. I live in Los Angeles. The office, the Les Brown office, when uh, they were there most of the time, was in Miami. And I remember sitting in the office one day, and someone says, hey, where do you live? I said Los Angeles. And they said, how do you live in L.A.? You're always here. You must live, like, down the street or something. I was like, no, I live in L.A. I live in, on the other side of the country. And I was, I was showing up as much as someone who lived in Florida was. I just kept on showing up. And I focused on I focused on like one core group to to be with. Because I realized like if I went if like let's uh, Tony Robbins has programs and uh uh Grant Cardone has programs and uh who else? Who else is it? There's there's another guy. Yeah, can they all, Canfield, maybe Jack
0: yeah, yeah. Canfield. Yeah. yeah. Jack
1: he has programs. So uh Chris Greg Reed Greg Reed who he has programs as well. So it's like if I, if I was hopping around, I wouldn't have gotten the, the best exposure because it would have been like, oh, I came once and like, who was that person? Who's that black guy? So I didn't want that. I knew that to commit. And I remember saying to myself, I'm committing to do whatever it takes. And I said to myself, bandwidth, by any means, whatever it takes, by doing any means necessary by, and doing whatever it takes. So I kept on showing up, kept on showing, kept on showing up to the point where they were like, you yeah, without Andy, this is kind of weird. Like, why isn't Andy here? Yeah, I became part of, the, part of the team because I kept on. Show, I kept on being there, and then eventually, that's really how it, it all started for me. She kept on showing up, continually investing myself, um, being there so much that where's Andy? You know, kind of. That's why I, that's the kind of what I wanted to happen. Where's Andy at?
0: <laughs> like, where's Waldo? Where's Andy? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm not there, it's like it's like where's Andy? And people thought I lived in Miami. What I actually lived in. Um, lived in LA I just was always there.
0: So you just hopped on a plane as much as possible and you were available and learning and and just kind of downloading all the information that you needed to kind of get where you are today.
1: Yeah I hopped on a plane like if I if I can tell you how many times I've been on a plane from LA to Miami early earlier this year it's I couldn't count my fingers I can tell you that I can't count my fingers. (laughs) we're, We're only talking about a few months we're only talking like like, I was on the phone. I'm, I'm betting speakers right now. I'm working with different speakers who wants to get on stage. And I was on the phone with someone, and I was telling them about how many times that I'll travel to go after, you know, what it is that I want. Mm-hmm. How many times will I get on a plane to go, you know, get what I want? So, yeah, hop on a plane as much as you can. For if, if the people that are listening, hop on a plane as much as you can and get around the right people and watch your business propel. I've only been doing this for... uh since probably around February. It's not, it hasn't even been a year yet.
0: February, wow. So I, I wouldn't have known that. I thought it was longer than that. Um, so you've done massive things in, in less than a year.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. First and foremost, I got to give it to God because you know I believe that this vision was given to me. Um, I remember when I was, last year, when I was running on Figueroa Street and I saw myself on stage with Les Brown, I believe that vision was given to me. Right. And it was like my job to actually fulfill that. I remember so you were
0: running to, and you saw an image of being on on stage with Les Brown. It just came in your mind.
1: Well, actually, actually, this is what happened. I was running on. figure. I was you know, trying to lose weight. And I was listening to a lot of rap music in my ear and I remember listening to uh, Ace Hood and he was talking about motivation, going out, get hungry. And I was running about 22 to 24 minutes per mile. Every mile was 20, you know, 24 minutes long. I changed the stuff that I was listening to and I started listening to Les Brown, motivational stuff, Eric Thomas, motivational things on on YouTube. That time of 22 minutes decreased after, you know, doing a few weeks of training, that time decreased all the way to eight minutes and minutes per mile now. I'm, I, I remember I was running. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "Am I really doing this right now?" I was like, "Am I really doing this?" I remember that, like, today I was working. Out you, with diced
0: a t- th- a you, you diced it in a third.
1: Was that you diced your time in a third? I was, I was so shocked as to what my body was able to do. I went home and I said, "Look, look, this is crazy, dude. I've never ever ran under ten minutes in my life."
0: And that's the power of visualization. And, and I, I'm going to tell the story of how I met you. And um, I, I'm trying to remember initially if I had reached out to you or you had reached out to me. Um, and you had offered me the opportunity to get on stage um, with less, And I didn't realize it. You just reached out. I don't know if you explicitly said it. At, at which um, uh, say, that, say that one more time. The first the first event that you had in California,
1: yeah.
0: you had reached out. And we. I, when I look back, there was a dialogue between me and you. Um, and I didn't realize at that point, you know, the extent of what you were doing. And I didn't realize that Les Brown was one of the speakers at that time. I went back after accepting the opportunity in December and looked back at my old email, my, the old messengers, and it said, you, and I, it said the opportunity to speak with, speak with Les, my mindset, obviously I must have missed it, something happened. And what happened to me was talking about visualization and the power of mindset was probably about well, I was in we were on stage in December on the sixth, and about six weeks before that, I had done a vision board and on the vision board, I had written who I wanted to be on on stage with and in the middle of a couple of names was Les Brown and I completely I would look at the vision board, but not every day and not until you and I talked again, and I was actually making the, the, the um, arrangement to go, I look back at my vision board and I'm like, oh my goodness, here's Mr. Les Brown right on my vision board. And I hadn't stopped to realize it, right? So that was seven weeks prior to me being in New York City. So,
1: so what I remember is that you contacted me, you contacted me earlier in the year for my first event, right and we talked about you investing to speak at my first event right and you declined that for some reason you declined but then you after that event you put on your vision board that you wanted to speak on the same stage as les brown right and then at, after my event you reached out to me again and you we were talking about you speaking on one of my stages and you said and then and then what and then what i happened? didn't
0: realize the first stage was was with les brown Gotcha. I, gotcha. I didn't even realize that and nor did I realize that I really wanted to speak with Les Brown until I looked back at my vision board and I went, I put, you know, a couple of names on there, like Mary Folio and, um, you know, different people. And then I put Les Brown. So it's a power of that visualization, even though you're maybe not doing it every single day. And you know, when I came back after speaking, I pulled it out again. And it's a little bit rubbed off, but it's right there.
1: So if you, you did reach out to me and, and we did I did get you on stage and you did speak um, on stage with Les Brown. Like how was your experience with doing It was that?
0: it was uh you know, all I can say is what amazing, what an uh, that, that was an amazing experience for me. And what made my day even further was when um I was telling uh Les about my son, who is just he listens to motivational tapes. I told him I was going to New York and he says, Mom, of course, I know Les Brown. I've been li- listening to him forever, so I'm oh. telling Les his story because I'm, you know, I know. I figure this man's going to be busy. He's not going to be able to have time. And then, what does he do? What he, did he, do? he calls RJ. Your did you son. know? Yes.
1: He called. He called your son. Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't know if you knew that. No, I, he, I
1: that.
0: he spoke to him, and he said. So he said, "I heard your mom says you're doing amazing things. You listen to motivational uh, tapes all the time." They had a conversation. And then Les said to him, "Look, you're a driven young man. If at 16 you've been doing this, he says, if you want me to mentor you, I will mentor you because you sound like the kind of kid that's going to do big things in the world." And I was I I was speechless because I you know I did not ex- here I am obviously I'm going there you know to you know build my brand to be around you know um, these individuals especially Les and then he does this and I'm, I'm blown I am like speechless and all I get from my son after is. Mom, you're the bomb. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I would. I went. All right. If I that to a sixteen-year-old, I think I've I've been I've been doing pretty good. So it, It's just amazing. That experience blew my mind. Uh, being on stage was fantastic. I was completely in the moment. Um, you know, the business that I've gotten from there has been outstanding, um, and I'm I'm I've, I've I've created a lot of contacts since um, being in New York. So. Without a doubt, like you're right, it's it's about mindset, expanding what you what you think is possible, feeling the fear because we all like to, to stay in that comfort zone, right? Because that's the that's the that's the brain trying to protect us. And as soon as we get out of that comfort zone, what happens? It says, "Step back, don't get off the sidewalk. You're going to get smucked, right?" And yeah, then we right. start to feel like that, and then we want to kind of run away. And you're so right when you say stepping into it means feeling the fear and just. Going with it because um, that's where uh, real things happen is on the other side.
1: One hundred percent, man. I'm happy to you know that you experienced that, and that's the thing. I can't, you know, I wish I could have told you that, you know, ahead of time that hey, this is what's gonna happen, and I can't. <laughs> all I know is this one thing, and I know this one thing. I believe in this. There is opportunity in the show up. Mm-hmm. That investment that you made, in in my opinion, was was nominal compared to what you received with less getting starting a relationship with your son and, and, and you know, the, the relationship that you're starting with Les, there's opportunity in the show And mm-hmm. when, there's opportunity, when you show up, you receive opportunities. And I, the thing is, I can't tell someone, like, when I'm, I just got off the phone uh, a few minutes ago with a potential speaker, and I can't tell someone, hey, you're gonna receive this opportunity. That's why was, it doesn't work that way. Just show up. Well,
0: I mean, and, and when he did that, I thought he was kidding, right? I thought, minimally, I'll get a picture, maybe I'll take a little video. And then when he took the time that showed me the depth of the people that you were really surrounded with. When I saw what he was like, he was so gracious and kind. And, you know, for me, that just made my experience just one of those uh, pinnacles of uh, things that I can, I will remember in, in, in my kind of um, my foray into, you know, speaking full time. So, so tell me, tell me, um, what, what uh, do you want to leave with the viewers? Is there anything, I keep saying viewers, listeners, and obviously the viewers when this goes on YouTube. What would you like people to um, walk away knowing about you? I also want you to tell them where they can buy your book, um, where they can get a hold of you, um, those types of things.
1: Well, first and foremost, look, I'm about to write a book that's called that. Like, there's opportunity in the show up, right? I've I found my business propelling very at a rapid pace because I continue to show up. Um, to the point where people are going to be like, wait, I don't want to be the person that people are like, what happened to that one person? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be the person that they know my name and they know my story and so on and so forth. So you got to continue showing up. And I believe there is opportunity when you show up. You just got to do that. So that's, the, that's, my, that's my biggest takeaway. If you, if you get anything from me, if your viewers get anything from me, it's you got to show up. Mm-hmm. When I touched that stage, for example, on December 6th and all the stages that I've been on this year is I realize that I'm the youngest person to touch those stages. And I, and I, I always think about, you know, why, why, how am I, am I doing this? It's because I continue to show up in comparison to when others don't. Mm-hmm. Right. I continue to show up. So when you show up, there's going to be an opportunity for you just waiting for you.
0: Absolutely. And, and
1: and where people can buy my book, No More Average, is at nomoreaveragebook.com. dot com. That is nomoreaveragebook.com. dot com. And you could you know get in contact with me at Andy R Date A-N-D-Y-A-U-D-A-T-E Andy Date on all social media platforms.
0: Awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure as usual. And um, I know I know this is a beginning of a friendship. You know, um, I don't know if I have many 22-year-olds as friends, but I'm telling you, you're an old soul for sure. You, you, you've been here before. You've probably heard that, right? Um yeah. And it's, it's a pleasure, and um, I know I'll probably be seeing you very soon. Actually, I remember I was on the phone with Eric Stoller and Charlie Chino. I was on the phone
1: with both of them. I, I introduced them together. And they were, you know, having a little talk with each other back and forth. And it was about to be uh, Eric's birthday. The day we had an event in New York, we had a a bigger event in New York. It was Eric's birthday at that time. And we were were celebrating his birthday. And Charlie's like, happy birthday. How old are you? Eric's like, I'm turning 51. And Charlie's like, oh, I'm 51. I did this to myself. I said, I'm 22. I'm 22. I I do get around these type of people. So you are my friend. It's okay.
0: Well, you know what? And I'm 51, and I'm going to be 52. So I can I can join the, the club with the other two guys. So you join the 50 plus group in my phone That's below. it. You know the, the that's a new 40 for sure. 50 yeah. is a new 40. So I, again, I want to thank you, and I want to thank the listeners for um, you know listening. And please reach out to Andy if you have any questions. I know he would he would be as gracious as he was with me uh, to answer any questions that you have. And thanks again for listening to uh, Living Authentically with Roxanne. And I hope to chat with you again soon. Take care. Thank you so much, Roxanne. Okay, take care. Stop it altogether.
1: Hey, no, no. Um... Join Authentic Living with Roxanne
0: every Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern on Global Voice Radio.